Yate, Colton Schoen here. Earlier this month, I went on a road trip to South Dakota with my mom and my sister Autumn. Autumn lives there now on the Rosebud Reservation, and she's entering her second year as a teacher as part of the Teach for America program. My mom, Autumn, and me live in different parts of the country, and it's really been that way for the last few years. So whenever we get back together, it's a good time. It's like we revert back to our younger selves and get into some mode like we've never left home and are back under the same roof taunting each other and driving each other crazy. If it weren't for Autumn, I don't think I would have been able to see different parts of the country. She's an Ivy League graduate who went to Yale in Connecticut, so I've gone to visit her there. She lived in Montana for a summer, so I got to visit and see places like Glacier National Park and Yellowstone. Yeah, that's in Wyoming, but it was kind of close to where she was. And now she lives in South Dakota. My wife and I drove out to see her last year, and we went to the Wind Cave National Park, saw Rapid City, and even went to the Crazy Horse Memorial. My mom and I wanted to drive with her as she went back this year, and we had a lot of fun. She heard my podcast, and she liked it. Except she wants me to have some, like, native music introducing the show. I told her I wish. I'm using a public domain soundtrack, so if any of you know someone who'll do some powwow music for me or some native drums or a flute or something like that, let me know. Maybe we can barter. Hey? (laughs) Well, on this part of the trip, we just crossed the Colorado state line into Wyoming. Here's that part of the conversation. So we're driving right now. And uh, we're heading to Pine Ridge, South Dakota. We're trying to uh, to get to a powwow, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to a powwow on the way back to where my sister lives on the Rosebud Indian Reservation. So we left Albuquerque on Friday. You guys got there after getting there from Phoenix. So you guys were already in the car for a long time. On Friday night, we got to a little bit north of Denver in Loveland where we stayed the night. And then yesterday, we went to Rocky Mountain National Park, and I forced you guys to do this six-mile hike with us up Deer Mountain. How do you, Are you sore right now after all that? No, I'm not. <laughs> Did you have fun? What did you think of the hike? Yeah, it was fun. Um, it started raining, though, and that sucked. Oh, yeah. When we got to the top, it started to, like get all lightning and, and everything and then our mom was with us and she's so little so it was so funny seeing her like kind of run away <laughs> That's right. yeah she was taking the shortcuts <laughs> and we were like she's gonna fall <laughs> yeah i'm kind of sore right now but um, i'm feeling good so this is um cheyenne we're like driving past the home depot and uh, we're going to be heading to Nebraska next. And then from Nebraska, we're going to be going to, to North, South Dakota, South Dakota. Tell me about um, what you're thinking right now about going back to South Dakota. Um, I haven't really thought about it. I'm excited to head back. Uh, it'll be my second year of teaching. Feeling a lot more prepared than last year. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. You know, these road trips are really cool. Remember when we used to go to Grandma's house on the res from Phoenix and we would listen to The Simpsons oh my soundtrack? God. <laughs> oh, that's tragic. Yeah. <laughs> we would listen to The Simpsons like the entire time. I'm pretty sure if you played that, I could like recite all the lyrics right now. I know. Okay, so let me kind of explain. So we used to have this CD and I don't know why, but it like contained like... 
songs from like seasons four through six. <laughs> and then you realize how musical The Simpsons actually is. It was a good album, though. We would like just sing it all the way through. Gosh. I don't know where that is. I know that you had like a um, little box of CDs with you, and you don't have that with you. No, I think that one like was all scratched up, and we threw that out years ago. Oh my god, that makes me so sad. But that was like the best thing ever. That is so sad. I haven't thought about that in years. Really? No, <laughs> I don't think that's one of those things I wanted to remember. Oh my god, I think <laughs> about it every single time I go into a long car ride. So we, yesterday we were kind of talking about our experiences with long trips and. To you and me, they, they're they like nothing. You know, like whenever I go on a road trip with Aubrey, that's like, you know, like five hours long. She thinks that's too long or too far. But you and I have been like going on really long drives for such a long time that I'm kind of used to it and I like it. What, what about you? Yeah, I think like constantly going from Phoenix to Grandma's house when we were younger, like all the time on the weekends or for holidays or during the summer, it kind of conditioned us to like be okay with long car rides and then since I've been living in South Dakota and when I lived in Montana for a little bit like they just feel normal now I mean and remember like some people think we're crazy because we would go to grandma's house which is six hours away from Phoenix spend an hour there and then we drive back <laughs> not an hour like four <laughs> okay maybe maybe three or four hours but yeah we would like be in a car for six hours hang out for four hours have like lunch or something because they always have dinner like at like one o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> yeah yeah like thanksgiving dinners for us is like it happens, it, it happens it's during brunch we should call it thanksgiving brunch like 11 o'clock in the morning yeah um, and then we go back. So, yeah, I think that, you know, 12 hours, you know, in the car when we were very young is kind of like... 18 hours, like, now it just seems like, okay, that's okay. Yeah, you recently visited me in Albuquerque from um, from where you live in South Dakota, and uh, you drove it in one day. And I was, like, shocked that you were able to do that. Did you, did you have fun on that little road trip by yourself? Yeah, I realized I like driving alone driving alone is fine with me and it was about like a 12 13 hour drive and it was okay i think if i was with another person it would have gotten really annoying real fast okay so (laughs) yeah i know we i was saying too the a while back that when you me and mom get together like i'm almost 30 i'll be 30 in just a few more months and you just turned 25 and when we all get together i feel like i'm 12 years old again yeah i feel like i'm an angsty teenager isn't that weird how it happens it's like I feel like I'm back into my teen days hanging out with you because I don't know like I I pick on you you pick on me we're always mad at each other (laughs) yeah and then mom tries to tell us to stop (laughs) it's so yeah it's so predictable isn't that weird it's like okay like when I'm not with you or mom and I'm like living my own life in Albuquerque I feel like an adult like I've you know I got my job I'm married I've got two dogs you know what have you but like as soon as you me and mom get together I like go back to like my teenage days and it's just like I feel like a little kid again which is which is really cool yeah I definitely feel more chill with other people but if I'm around you or mom the littlest thing will be like did you really just do that Okay, so I think we're supposed to take exit 17 in two miles. Cool? Alright. Yeah, exit 17. I know. So, like, um, gosh, I mean, yesterday, 
And we kept picking on mom yesterday, too. No, <laughs> we did. And she was fine with it until she got really annoyed. <laughs> yeah, she got she was cool with her <laughs> cool with it for up to a while and then she just got super super mad and she said, Stop picking on me <laughs> I think that's because like as like family you know exactly what to pick on with like another person. Like you know what's like funny and true and what's gonna annoy them the most. So yesterday when we went to Rocky Mountain National Park, we, we did a hike and um, we really, it's a huge park, so we really didn't know which one to go to until we saw this little sign for Deer Mountain and we were like, okay, let's just do that. And then we find out that it's three miles there to the top, it's the summit, and then three miles down. So it's about six miles in total. And um, I was so impressed that we were all able to do it without killing each other, right? Yeah. That's shocking. Because it was like a 1,200 foot elevation Here's gain. The so. To take exit 17 onto US 85 North toward Torrington. All right, so we're going to take that, like I said. Um, but yeah, so like we were able to do that hike without killing each other because sometimes when you're with me and we go hiking or something like that, I always, or like we go to a workout, I like, you know, push it and then you look at me like you want to kill me. Yeah, honestly, I feel like I've been more annoyed hiking Piesto Peak. Is that what they call it now? Oh, yeah, Payasua Peak. Yeah, I've been more annoyed at, like, you and Mom. If, like, I think we've hiked that before. Yeah, I think but we have. And that one's short. Right. Well, it's also much more hotter. Yeah, Much more hotter. It's also <laughs> much hotter going up that way. Okay, so we're going to take this for, um, let me see. Starting route to Pine Ridge. 46 miles. For 46 miles, continue on US 85 North. You hear that? Okay, yeah. Okay, um... So, uh, you know, like you live in South Dakota, but man, like you just turned 25 years old, but you've really done so much. You lived in so many places. You visited so many places. Kind of tell me like where, how you got to this point, like how you got to, to, um, to, to Parmalee, South Dakota, starting from like, say the end of high school. Um, well... I, I don't know. Um, so, went to high school in Phoenix, Oppie, um, and I ended up going to Yale University for my undergrad, and that's in New Haven, Connecticut. So, I lived there um, for a few years, and then... Did you like Yale? <laughs> <laughs> what did she just do? Did she sneeze? <laughs> That's gross. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't want to say I didn't like Yale. I think I wasn't prepared for Yale in lots of ways. I think, like, academically, I was never, what's the word? Um, I was just, I wasn't academically prepared for Yale at all. So, like, going into a place like that and realizing, like, wow, I don't know how to study. I don't know if I'm, like, actually that strong of a writer as I thought I was trying to figure all of that out was really overwhelming and then there's the added aspect of like being an indigenous woman at Yale where like uh, like I'm a minority um it was really hard did you find I know that you gravitated towards like the Native American center there did you find like a sense of community with uh, some of the natives you were with like what did that help you out uh, yeah, so at Yale, there's the Native American Cultural Center, and honestly, I think that's what got me through undergrad. If the NACC wasn't there, 
and if I didn't find friends who were also like me, like from the south, from the southwest or Navajo or anything like that, or like had similar experiences experiences as me growing up, it would have been extremely hard. Um, we were all off to college um, in a really like high pressure place. We're all far away from home. We're all far from our culture. So we were just kind of finding some sort of like um, comfort in each other, I guess. Of like, you remind me of home. This feels like familiar. This feels okay. And this place that feels like totally not okay. Okay, okay. But you know what? You, you make it sound like you, you weren't like good enough for that place. But you were, one. And not only that, I think you were like the top... One percent of your high school class, you not only got into Yale, you got into Dartmouth, and you got into Stanford, and uh, that's insane. Like a lot of people would would kill for those types of opportunities. What made you choose Yale? I don't think it was a big deep choice <laughs> for choosing Yale. I think like when I went into high school my freshman year. Um, the first thing, like, my first day of high school, which is so weird, I decided on Yale. I was like, this is where I'm going to go. I have to do all of these things in order to go there, so that's what I'm going to do. Like, it was just, like, that kind of, like, simple decision. I didn't really think about, like, what does Yale mean? Where is Yale? Like, anything like that. It was just like, that's it. That's where I'm going to go. Um, but I think I had finally decided on Yale, and this is, like, where it gets embarrassing, is that Rory Gilmore went to Yale and the Gilmore Girls, and I was like, okay, all right. And that's what I, that's what I did. I think that's what most, like, I've seen, like, memes about that. You know, it's like, Rory Gilmore got into Yale, that's where I'm going. Yeah. So I know that you, you were there for a while. I've visited you there a couple times, went to your graduation a couple years ago, and the campus and the surrounding area I think is absolutely beautiful. Do you miss being in a place like that? Um, Yale was extremely beautiful. I, I think like a, a lot of times though, it felt really, I felt really claustrophobic. It's like all the buildings are super close together. Um, it's super gray, like Yale itself. And then when it's really cloudy outside, overcast, it's just like, it all looks super sometimes depressing, like beautiful, but depressing. It's just like, mm, it, it's a definite mood. Um, and after being there for, like, four years on the East Coast, well, longer than that, or I don't know, I, like, so, like, I went to Yale my freshman year, and then I took some time off, um, I went back home because I just wasn't prepared at all for the experience, and then I ended up going back, thank God, because I didn't think I would go back, um, but I realized that, like, I don't know, I just need more open space. I, like... I guess I'm familiar with, like, being at Grandma's house and just there being so much openness, like, so much opportunity to just, like, go places, like, walk around and, like, see what's in front of you. Um, and that's probably why I'm, like, in South Dakota now, too, because it's similar to that. Right. As we're driving right now, there's, like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> there's just, like, you know, planes, and it's it's really, really pretty. It makes the sky look really, really huge. I like this this feeling too you're right I like the, the sense of openness but I love living next to mountains uh, you know living in Phoenix or in the valley living in in Tucson when I lived there I was next to um the Catalina mountains and you know now in Albuquerque next to the Sandias which I which I think is pretty awesome so you like living in the openness yeah no it's not like I don't like being around mountains like I love mountains I think it's 
tall buildings, like buildings, and like everything like smushed close to each other. That's what I'm like, eh, I could do without it. Okay, so I know that when you were in Yale, you were also really involved with, um, you know, activism. You you did stuff. You went to Standing Rock, right? How was that experience? Uh, yeah. You forgot. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I guess I do have a bad memory. You keep telling me that, and I keep fighting it, but I guess I do. Um, yeah. Let's see. That was, like, my senior year. I ended up going with um, a friend of mine who was from the Crow Reservation, and it was our fall break and I think we were both talking about it or like everyone was talking about Standing Rock like it was a big big thing that was happening especially because um, at Yale at that time there were students who were from the Standing Rock Reservation uh, and from South Dakota and North Dakota and it was something that was really it just everyone cared a lot about the issue um, and me and my friend were talking one day and we kind of just decided to go. She was like, I'm buying my plane ticket. And I was like, you are? And she was like, okay, I'll buy mine. <laughs> and it just, it just, yeah, it happened. And we ended up going, um, and we went with her mom. It was, it was really crazy, like eye-opening experience, I guess. In what way? I think like the energy there was like really overwhelming. Um seeing all these people who cared so passionately and then also seeing like on the road like all the police who were there it was just it it felt like really stressed and I I don't know so when it comes to like indigenous issues though I know that you know just knowing you that's a huge part of you so you you you've always been in touch with like native communities you know in school the native american community center uh, cultural center and then I remember you went to Montana to be an intern for um, the Native American the Indian Law Resource Center the Indian Law Resource Center <laughs> right so like yeah. see you you lived in New Haven you lived in Phoenix you lived in you know right now you live in South Dakota and now you live in and also you lived in Montana how was that experience working with the um, Indian Law Resource Center when I lived in Montana I was an intern at the Indian Law Resource Center and, you know, when I was looking over, like, summer opportunities and, like, things to do, I really wanted something that would put me within, like, Native American communities or, like, had that in mind. Um, and at the Indian Law Resource Center, um, something that, like, really intrigued me that I knew that they were working on was, like, a the Violence Against Women Act. They had a lot of... They were putting their own work into that and, like, doing more for, like, Native women as far as, like, protecting them, Native women and children. And that's something that's really close to my heart. Uh, So I was interested in doing that. Um, Yeah. But, like, uh, over there, I was living in Helena. And it was a little more removed than I thought it would be from, like, the res you know, um, kind of took a while to get to any reservation, and during that summer, I would, like, go to the Flathead Res and, like, visit my friend, um, a lot, because I would, I just really needed that. Like, even though I was working at the Indian Law Resource Center, something that, like, and they were doing really awesome, amazing things, I still felt the need for that community, and I, I just, like, wasn't getting that at all in Helena. And, um, after that, you went back to school, and then you, ended up on the uh, 
the, the Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota after graduation. And uh, how did you get there? Yeah, so my senior year of college, I was looking again at like, well, what's next? What opportunities are out there? Um, and I actually remember the year before being at some TFA informational and they said they had like certain placements on the actual reservation and I remember seeing like the Navajo res being one of them um and I was super interested in that like I think first off like working in native community again um and the Navajo res being like home so I ended up applying for TFA I was hoping to go to New Mexico, which is, like, where their placement is, even though, like, the Navajo Res is in three states. They have a placement specifically in New Mexico. So I was hoping for that. It didn't work out. I ended up in South Dakota, which is, like, super interesting. Um, I wasn't prepared for that at all. (laughs) I think I remember I called you when I found out that I was placed in South Dakota, and I was, like, I was crying and freaking out because I... I had already envisioned myself being back home. Like, oh, I'm going to be so close to my grandma. I can go visit my mom or my brother. I can go visit, like, my aunties and my cousins. Like, it was disheartening, I guess, to see that just, like, taken away um, so quickly. Not that it, like, is taken away, because I do still see you guys, like, all the time. Um, But I just, like, I had, like, pictured myself there. So letting go of that was really hard. But after, like, thinking about it a little bit more, um, I'm, I, I, I'm okay with being in South Dakota. I think, like, things happen for a reason. Um, I also think, like, working with the Native communities, like, different Native communities really helps to, like, round out your experience, I guess. Because, like, it can be so easy to just, like, be stuck within, like, your own your own like cultural like what what's the word space I guess like it would be so easy to go to like the Navajo res and like not think about anything else but like only just like the Navajo res whereas like living on Montana and getting to like go to the Flathead res the Crow res um Rocky Boy like seeing how things are done there and like feeling connected to like people but like still like wow like you know we do something similar but like we're in a lot of ways really different um I think that's important to see too like to not get too caught up in like your own when it comes to when you go to uh, other communities native communities as being Navajo do you find that um you know you're accepted into that sort of culture or do you think it, do you think it's kind of different like there's some barriers um whenever I'm in like other native communities first off when they find out I'm Navajo always made fun of what uh, really <laughs> yes it's like oh we got another navajo here or oh like you're super short like something like just like just always always jokes about like how i'm navajo which i've gotten used to like it never fails to so if you think you're like funny by making fun of me because i'm navajo like i'm pretty you're sure not. i already heard that joke first off wow <laughs> i didn't realize that yeah but no but like it's all in good fun like no one ever does it right. like, maliciously like you know, like, it's not like that. Um, and I think, like, honestly, like, I, if someone's, like, willing to joke with you up front, like, you automatically feel like, okay, we're all right then. You know? Right. 
Like, if I got there and, like, no one was looking at me or talking to me, <laughs> I would be like, um, damn. But it, it's, like, it's, it's just, like, a way of welcoming, I think. Or at least that's how I see it. Maybe they actually are making fun of me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, like, always being made fun of because I'm Navajo. But honestly, sometimes, like, we are everywhere. Like, you will never fail to meet another, like, Navajo anywhere. Like, even in Montana, they were like, oh, like, when I said I was Navajo, like, we have a Navajo friend that's over here. Like, when I got to South Dakota, like, it was like, oh, we have a Navajo friend that's here. Like, we're just, like, sprinkled everywhere. Um, So I can see why we get so much, like, jokes. I think I, it's usually pretty, going into, like, other, like, Native communities, um, feels like all right I guess does that make sense like when you meet like someone else who's like native you're like oh like we kind of like understand each other like we have like similar experiences we're probably like have similar mindsets about like how we feel um about certain issues so I feel like sometimes it's really easy to just be like to feel comfortable um and thankfully I've met a lot of people who like also do that like who like are open and willing to like help me out as far as like showing me around or like telling me things about like them and like their own culture um I think if you weren't native it would probably be really hard to go to the res or to go into native communities like it would just be not that people would be unwelcoming, that but, like, there would be such a big culture shock. Whereas, like, if I'm talking with, like, someone else who's, like, let's say on the Rosebud Res, and they're talking about, like, ceremony, like, it would be, like, oh, okay, like, I see wh- where that's coming from, or, like, it's just not as weird, you know? Or wouldn't it be, like, such a big thing? Talking about culture shock, when you moved to South Dakota, and, you know, you've been all... If all over the states and all that stuff with what you've done and your experiences did you find it pretty shocking and just like different from any experience you've ever had moving to South Dakota um it was I it didn't feel that big of a difference from like the Navajo Res does that make sense like the town that I live in now I live in, like, Hedog community. Like, the town right next to it is Parmalee. Super small. There's, like, 500 people in the town. Um, there's a gas station and a post office. And then the school, Hedog Elementary School. Um, and that's, like, really similar to Grandma's house. Like, post office. Like, a trading post and a gas station. And then that little school. That, like, little church. So it wasn't, like, that big of a difference um, as far as, like, this feels totally weird. I'm not used to this. It's also super comforting to see, like, other Native people and, like, you know, like, like, I don't know. Like, you know, whenever you go to, like, someplace and you're just, like, surrounded by white people and you, like, immediately notice or, like, feel kind of uncomfortable? Oh, yeah, you totally notice that you're the only... You know, either person of color, or you're the only minority, or you're the only Indian. You know, it's I, I, I totally know what you think or feel in that in that sense. Yeah, like you just kind of know. You're like you're immediately aware of it. Like, 
when you're on the res, you don't think about that. And you know other people aren't looking at you like, oh, there's, like, is she Indian? Like, oh, what, like, what is she? Like, she looks so exotic. Like, no one's, like, looking at you like that. Um, so it feels comfortable. Like, of course, like, things are different because they have, like, their own ways, like, their own way about doing things. But it's never felt, like, super unwelcoming or uncomfortable. I think the hardest thing is just, like, being away from home. Not that, like, any place or, like, the res is uncomfortable, like, any other res. Okay, you and I grew up in Phoenix where it's so freaking hot. Like, you were just there, and I think you said your nose was bleeding out of nowhere because it was so hot. <laughs> right? Yeah, that happens to me a lot, though. Like, my... Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> no, like, but it happens because of the heat. Like, my nose bleeds because of the heat. Like, that's always happened to me growing up. Okay, the thing when you told me, like, you're going to South Dakota, the one thing that I was really, really worried for you about was the winters. How, how, how are the winters there? That's what everyone said to me when I, like, when I was in school, when I said, oh, I'm moving to South Dakota, they were like, good luck, come winter. And I was like, why does no one have faith in me? <laughs> oh my, well, because you let your propane go out once, and I was like, how are you supposed to keep warm? Okay, rookie mistake. <laughs> you do not need to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> it happens, okay? <laughs> I've learned. It's not going to happen again. But, like, the, the snow. I mean, oh, my gosh. Like, how is that like? Because I have no concept of what snow really is. Um, The thing is, like, it wasn't that shocking because I, I did go to, like, school in Connecticut where it snowed. You know? Like, my first, like, experience with snow and living in a place that had snow was in Connecticut. So, going to South Dakota, of course, it's, like, on a much bigger scale, but it wasn't, like, as shocking to be surrounded by it, you know? Whereas, like, if I just stayed in Phoenix the whole entire time, I'd be like, what is this? Um, but, yeah, it was, a. Uh, I think what I was most scared of was driving in the snow. And that was an okay experience. I think everything was, like, fine. There were no, like, everything went well. Um, I guess what's new about the snow is snow days never experienced that before at what point did you ever see like outside like snow was just feet high or did it look really cool and pretty yeah I remember one time it was like a there was a really big snowstorm, and the next day I looked out and like my car like there was just like feet of snow like surrounding it and I was like well I guess I'm not going anywhere because like I wasn't shoveling it <laughs> I was like I'll just like I'll just wait till it melts, and that's when I'll finally go anywhere. <laughs> and that's what I did. <laughs> right. Wow. So you're a teacher, and you teach a grade school. Did, did you ever think you were going to, to do this, like be in a classroom and helping shape the minds of, of kids and, you know, like indigenous kids even? Well, when I was younger, I did think about becoming a teacher, but that was solely because I wanted to decorate my room. <laughs> like, when I when I was a kid, when I was saying, I want to be a teacher, I literally was only thinking about, like, and I would put this on the walls, and, like, <laughs> this would be like that. That's it. Um, but when I was applying for TFA and I was thinking about being a teacher and thinking about, like, you know, the place where I would be, which would be on the res, I felt really scared but also super passionate um i think it's important for 
native students to have native teachers. I didn't until college. I had one professor who was native. Well, I had a couple, actually. I had two. Um, but, well, no, I had three. I had, like, a few native professors in college. Um, but growing up all through grade school, zero. And I think there's a lot of distrust in the school system for native people considering the history of boarding schools um and you can still kind of see that in a lot of ways on the res so I think like having seeing native teachers is really important and crucial for kids um to say that like school is a good thing you can do it and like there are people here to help you so do you think that you being native like the students kind of connect with you and maybe their parents too um I think like we definitely can like joke with each other in some ways <laughs> maybe if you weren't native like you wouldn't be able to like kind of get that humor like native humor is a very like particular kind of thing um it totally is and I love it like you know being a part like when I'm with you or with like some native friends like like a whole part of me comes out that's so different you know it's it's fun I like it it's it's cool that we have like the understanding with each other right yeah no definitely I think like native humor is just so funny and when you find someone else that like you can joke with like that you just have the best time and I remember like I was showing smoke signals to a friend um, who is white. And you know, like, smoke signals is, like... The best movie almost ever? <laughs> it's, like, it, like smoke signals is iconic. Like, everyone knows smoke signals. I've seen, I saw that movie three days in a row a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's just, like, there are some parts that are just so funny. You're, like, oh, my God. Like, like I'm, like, in tears laughing. I remember, like, whenever you show someone something, you know, that you think is, like, really cool, you just kind of, like, look at them. <laughs> like, you're, like, are you getting this? You're, like, Dude. <laughs> whatever. Um, I remember just looking at her when it, like, came to my favorite parts. I think it just kind of, like, flew over her head, and I was, like, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just, like, there's just some things you just kind of don't get. Okay, what is your favorite part in that movie? Like, what is your favorite line? Because I was quoting this to you yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like when they're when they meet the girls when um the girls driving backwards. Those two girls are hilarious. They're so funny. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, I love that part too. When when they were like trying to get a ride and she was like, "We're Indians, remember? We barter." Oh my god. Yeah. I've never bartered with anybody, by the way. My favorite. It wasn't so much like the lines were funny, yes, but like I remember the looks. The one who's driving, like oh. the kind of like expressions she gave and stuff like that. It was just like yes, like I've definitely seen like a cousin or an aunt look that way. Like I, I see my family in that movie for sure. <laughs> God, yeah, I love that movie. And um, gosh, it's also like it's also funny because it's like the car that like drives backwards. It's like knowing my mom was like, Dad used to have a car that like only drove backwards. Like he drove backwards from like I don't know where it was on the res to like opinion ones and it was like yeah those things kind of just happen like that's a res car right do you ever want to just like live on the res like go back to the navajo nation and miles. 
turn right onto Highway 151. Alright, 10 miles to turn right. Do you ever want to just, like, move back to the res? Like, I asked mom once, and she said she does. And, you know, I honestly think that one day I would love to just move back there and just, just live there. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um... It's weird to, like, be living on the res and to feel so comfortable, but to also just not be on your own res. Um, like, I think one of the thing, the big things about, like, why I would want, I would want to live on the res is, like, first, it's, like, close to family, but secondly, like, that's a part of, like, that land is a part of me and, like, my family. Like, that's where we come from. That's where all our stories are from. Um... So, like, that's why I feel the connection to want to live there. Yeah. No, I get that. I totally, like, whenever we go back, I just feel, like, more more at peace. Like, okay, these are the mountains, the Etrusca the Mountains. This is, like, you look outside and you're like, oh, that's home. So that's super, super familiar feeling. And, like, you know, with my job, I've lived in, you know, three cities and, and five years. So, like, kind of going away going away you're always kind of like wondering what's going to happen next and the reason why I love Albuquerque so much is because there's so much culture when it comes to like the native people you've got the Pueblos you've got the the Navajo Nation that's still there I mean I think wherever I want if ever I do move somewhere else like where there's a lot of history and cultural ties is super important to me you know yeah yeah um I think like could you move somewhere where there's no native ties Um, it would be really difficult, I think, to live anywhere. Like, anywhere, though. That's not where our family's from. I think that's what I've discovered. Um, but I think, like, if you're really living, like, in a big city, uh, the thing is, like, you, you'll all, I, what I've found is you'll always find community. Like, in New Haven, did I ever think I was going to find, like, a Native, like, community? No, like, I found it there. Like, you, you find people who are also, like, missing that part or, like, missing that, like, um, home. So I don't think I would be too worried that I would, like, I couldn't find that. Just being away from home is, like, in itself really hard. But what I've learned, like, living on the res, like, in South Dakota, um, being back on the res is hard though in a lot of ways that like I think when you're gone for a bit you kind of just like remember the good parts sometimes like romanticize it a little bit in like your own way uh so you know when you go like if if I move back to the like the Navajo res um I think a big part of me will be at peace and I I I think it would be really good for like my spirit and like who I am but I also know that there's so much that comes with being on the res that, like, sometimes, like, it, it is traumatic and you kind of have to relive things that maybe you don't want to. We're going to a powwow now. Have you been to this powwow before on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation? Yeah. Um, I went last year with a... I went and met up with a friend of mine. Um, but it was only for a little bit. Yeah, and... Uh... I mean, powwows is something that you tell me, like, all the time. Like, going to a powwow this weekend or going... So there's... So you go to powwows pretty often, right? I would say, like, I try to go to, like, powwows, like, a couple of times, like, every summer or, like, whenever they're happening. Um, 
there are definitely people who go a lot more more than me like I usually just go to like see friends and like eat that's why I go um but yeah like powwows are fun powwows are a way to like get together yeah I mean I um I love the music that you play sometimes when we go through your your iTunes shuffle iTunes shuffle I don't know what it's called anymore but when we listen to like you have like a whole bunch of like a powwow songs and and, and things like that I mean that's such a really like distinct thing of our of our culture here is like we we have like the dances and we have the singings and all that stuff you know I'm sure the older people in these in these tribes have seen like a huge like steep decline in in the way you know maybe participation or you know knowing things fully what do you think about that state of of you know Native America when it comes to like knowing all the stories and knowing all the language and things like that I do think younger people have a responsibility to find out about their culture to just like speak speak such as speaking their language um hearing those stories everything that encompasses that um I also don't fault like younger people who don't know those things like I think sometimes like like even like like you know like there's so much that was taken from native people um that I don't know. Like, this is such a hard question. Because, but follow that. Yeah, you're right. There was, you know, there were, there were policies of taking away people's languages, taking away their identities, shipping them off to boarding schools or, you know, assimilation. Um, it, it's got to be hard to hold on to, to something like that that was once so, you know, just commonplace every day. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, there's a reason why we don't know these things or some people don't know these things um and even just like knowing that reason and confronting that can be really hard for a lot of people like that can be traumatic in its own way um I think like it is up to you to take on the role of like I need to know this for me um I think like that's that's the only way that you're going to keep those things alive uh, because you know that's a part of who you are and your identity and your people once knew this and like you deep down yourself know it too I think like that's always present one mile we turn right onto highway 151 but I also don't think when people are like oh the old ways are all gone or like no one's like traditional or like you know like we've lost tradition I don't believe that I I think, like, tradition is, like, evolving, um, and when people say that, like, or, like, when people, like, when outsiders look at natives, and I hear this a lot from outsiders, of like, oh, like, you guys, like, you've lost so much, you don't really know anything anymore, like, whatever, I think it's, like, such a, wait, do I turn here? Hold on, uh, yes, right here, in 700 feet, yeah, make a right, uh, yes, highway 151. There's not really a sign that says Highway 151. Yeah, I was like, this just looks like a regular. In 9.9 miles, continue on to Highway 88 West. Okay. You're right. So you were saying that when you hear other people who are not Native say something like, oh, you lost a lot of your your ways. What do you think about that? I think it's trying to put Native people in a box of like, you can only be Native or Indigenous if you're this way. 
if you are like whatever traditional because that has a lot of different meanings to a lot of people like that is what being native is and if you are not that if you are not traditional you're not native or like you've lost something I don't believe that um and when people are like oh I think I think you know we're gonna like lose the old ways pretty soon it's like well we've been like we've undergone like how many years of like colonization 500 years and like we're still here so why do you still have like so little faith that we're not going to keep it you know it's like look at what we've been through how can you not believe in that how can you not believe in your people have the ability to like come back like maybe not in the way that like they lived 500 years ago but I still I, I, I don't believe that I think you're like I think that's like pushing like native identity into a box and that's just not helpful um, and not like not realistic. Shortly after we ended this recording, we stopped at Carhenge in Nebraska. Ever hear of it? It's this weird attraction that has these old cars in the formation of Stonehenge in England. It was kind of cool. Now, there's a photo of me at it on my Instagram, at Colton Schoen, so there's proof. Anyway, I hope that she has a great school year, and I'd like to visit again before it gets cold. Do you have experience teaching on the res? If so, I'd love to hear from you in the comments section. This podcast, by the way, is now on most platforms now, like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, so make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Okay, until next time.